0: It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking um, time out of your busy schedules, and many of you carrying, you know, considerable responsibility in, in local church life and in the workplace. You know, to gather a number of leaders from across our family of churches takes commitment on your part to be here. And I just want to say, on behalf of myself and the team working with with me, we. Really appreciate you being here. This is family. It's not, okay, we're calling it a conference, but to me it's a family of friends doing things together. And uh, we just love being together as as family. And I'm trusting that God's going to really impact us over these few days. It'll go very quickly. um, But I do believe that God uh, really wants to do something amongst us over these, these few days together. Let me really encourage you, make good use of the breaks uh, and also make good use of the, the, the zones to look around and to, to meet and greet people, try and reach out to those you don't know or those you've not met before because one of the, the great things about being together for a few days like this is that we do get a chance to actually meet each other and not just see Twitter feed or Facebook or watch videos, you know, so let's maximise the time uh, together. Um, the other thing I do want to do, and this is, uh, it seems a bit strange promoting your own book, but I, I, actually, I, I don't mind doing it on this occasion <laughs> um, for, for a couple of reasons. One is that um, it's really good, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, I must say a big thank you to Phil Whittle, particularly in Stockholm, yeah, because. Um, we, we had this idea just a couple of years ago, and we're just trying to fit it in in the midst of all the other things that go on. And Phil has done a, a superb job editing, so I sent him kind of my verbiage, and it came back in something. So I read it, and I thought, you know, that's not bad, actually. <laughs> he, he really kind of helped me craft something. So I'm not a natural writer, but he really helped me just to articulate something. So And Dan Goodman and various others who've done the design and the proofreading and everything. It's been a real team effort. But the reason I want to promote it is this. I really believe in what's in it. Uh, And in some ways, uh, we've just called it relational mission, a way of life. And it's not particularly just for us as a family of churches, but the values and the things in it that I feel God has been speaking to us about. Just in our very sort of short few years since we've sort of transitioned into lots of families of churches as part of New Frontiers more globally, this is just really a little bit of our journey so far and what we believe God's been saying to us and one of the reasons I wanted to put it into a book form, even just this, this short few years into our journey, is partly because we don't have an opportunity to gather all our people from across the churches together. Um, some do big events and things. We haven't felt that's been the right thing at the moment to do. Not saying it won't ever happen, but at the moment that's not what we've felt to do. So even a conference like this, gathering leaders together, it's just dropping a small stone in a very considerable size pond and so we're looking for lots of ways of communicating the vision, communicating the values, helping people in our churches know what we're all about. So I would really just ask something of you, right? All buy one, please, all right? They're, they're five quid at the conference. All the proceeds go to church planting. So we're plowing it all back into church planting, right? It's not paying for my holiday. We're all going. It's all going back into church planting. And I would like you to, to buy one. And we also, we would really encourage you as churches to try and buy boxes of them for your churches and sell them, give them, whatever, just so that you can get into the hands of your people. What I believe is kind of an agenda, a manifesto, a a, a, kind of a vision where I think that God is taking us over the next few years together. So are you up for that? All right, so it really, it's on Kindle, so you can buy it on Kindle as well as in paperback, but we've got loads of them up in the in the zone area, and uh, we can take your name as a church if you want to order a box or two, we can do, deal with that, and then you can either take them with you, or we can order them to send on to you. But I'd really um, commend that to you, and I'm so pleased, I think it will be a, just a help to, to our people to um, get a little bit more of a sense of where we're going together. So... Uh, I would also add my my welcome to different friends who've come from different uh, nations and uh, there's different folk coming in at different parts of the uh, time together and um, I'm really thrilled about that, thrilled to have our speakers here and the the folk who will be serving us in different ways. If you'd like to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 14 to 17, just in the... The two sessions I'll have, there's this one and then the last final session, I, I just will stay in these verses for those two sessions, and uh, we've, call, we've called it Everyone a Witness, Part One and Part Two, and I just want to focus on the emphasis on two particular words uh, in each session, and the, the word I want to sort of focus on in this is the word fragrance, and we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. So let's just read those verses 2 Corinthians 2:14 2, to 17. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. in Christ. Father, I pray in these minutes together you would help me by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to do something amongst us that genuinely begins to set a culture for who we are in the coming years that we might see the fragrance of the knowledge of him spreading everywhere. Lord, we want to play our part And we need you so much, Lord, to help us. So we ask you as we just look at your word, come Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to look at different uh, phrases, words in these verses just to, to, to build a few points together. And the first is just to notice in verse 14, it talks about spreading everywhere the knowledge of him. The knowledge of Him. You know, everything we do, everything we're about, has its origin simply in our knowledge of Him. Is what we've been singing about. Everything springs from that. It is, it is knowing Him. It's, it's about a relationship with a person. God became man, walked on this earth as a human being so that we could know Him again. It all came from that. It all flows out of that. As uh, I've got in my notes here, the very thing that Jean said when when uh, P- uh, Jesus said to Peter, "Peter, do you love me?" He, he, he before he moved on to what are you going to do for me. Before he said, "Feed my sheep," he wanted to really get it cemented. Do you love me? How's our relationship? How is it between me and you? Do you know the Lord would want to say that to every one of us in the busyness of everything with all the visions and the challenges and the dreams and the hardships and the setbacks and the successes and the fruitfulness? He would keep saying to us, Do you love me? Do you love me? It's not because He's insecure, it's because He cherishes it. He's not kind of lonely, He's He just it's the thing He's He's looking for, it's the very thing that actually he had in mind in the Garden of Eden. Go, be fruitful, multiply, let's fill the earth with this relationship. The knowledge of him is the foundation and the finishing point of everything that the gospel is. So it's spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of him. We're not selling a technique, we're not peddling something as it says. We're not peddling something, we're not trying to create our own... Uh, uh, enhance a reputation we're not trying to create a brand we're not trying to be successful we're not trying to be influential we're not trying to have a profile it's about the knowledge of him even if even if everyone forgets who we are let them not forget what we've done because it's come from the knowledge of him it's 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 everything it's when our waking thought when we spend time with here it's with him It's the knowledge of him that's the springboard for everything. That's what the fragrance is that Paul's writing about. It's the smell of knowing him. You can't build anything without that. That's the the pearl that they bought the field for. If we lose the pearl and look at the field say, wow, this is a great field. We missed the pearl. We, We don't want to miss the pearl. The pearl can be Overlooked. Jesus, humble, contrite, lowly in heart, nothing about him that we should desire him, yet he's the pearl, it's the knowledge of him, it's your, yours and mine, simple relationship with him, walking with God in the cool of the evening, that is relational mission, that's what this is all about. Honestly, if that was all, if God said to me, you can either really know me better each day, or I'll give you a... Such a profile on the earth like never before, which would you choose genuinely, with all my heart, I know that in this room we would want to say, give me the relationship. Why? Because that's his Holy Spirit within us. That we want him, don't you? Yeah. We want him, it's the knowledge of him. That everything else is, is rubbish. Paul said, I consider everything rubbish that I know him. It's the, the currency no, there's no comparison. Whenever we're going through, difficulties, hardships, things that can distract, we've got to keep coming back to magnetic north, which is the knowledge of him. It's what it's about. It's the prime objective. Our focus in, in 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, Paul said, I, I don't want to know anything except Christ and him crucified. We can sometimes finish that verse quickly Christ and him crucified and we focus on the crucifix no it's no him and him crucified it's it's a relationship Paul's I don't want to know anything but him not even what not even the uh, understand me not even the focus on what he's done the focus on who he is I mean even if he hadn't done anything for us he's worthy isn't he he's still worthy because he's worthy our relationship with Him has got to be the driver that I might know Him. No wonder Jesus said to His disciples when they came back to Him and said, yeah, the de- "Even the demons are subject to us. We are on a roll." I mean, the ministry times phenomenal. There was gold dust and everything. I mean, even then, power. Yeah, even demons really just did what we said. Lord, we are on a roll. He said don't get preoccupied with that but rather that you've got relationship with me your names are in heaven there's something so vital about that you know if you're going on a holiday to Cornwall as you might uh, and you get to a road sign that says Cornwall this way you don't want to Stop at the road sign and look at it and take pictures of it. And here's another one of us by the road sign. You, you know, a, a sign is a pointing to something. You need it to know, to, to point. But signs of any kind, even, even great church meetings, are, are to point us to the, the fount of what we're doing it for, which is relationship with him. That I might know him. And if relational mission means anything, it must start with us never, ever, however much God gives us fruitfulness, and I I believe with all my heart that along with all the other multiplication and spheres and everything we I believe we have a part to play and God's going to take us on some extraordinary journeys in the the days ahead. We have no idea where God is taking us, not because we haven't got any idea, but it's bigger than we imagine. It's big, say Bigger bigger, but even if it's bigger than our wildest dreams, if at the end of it all, we know him better, it's worth it. It's worth it. That's worth all the pain and the difficulty and the challenge. Our dreams are to fulfill his. Our significance is in him. We've died and our life is now hidden in him. Then he talks about, uh, the, it's the fragrance of the knowledge of him. The fragrance. Fragrance fragrance isn't a program. It's not an, it's not an organizational word. Fragrance is a cultural, atmospheric word. A fragrance can't be organized. You, you, you can't, you can't um, say, right, this room has this fragrance in it and this room doesn't. Fragrance has a habit of doing what it wants. It's a cultural word. I think Paul's chosen it really carefully. It's a, a fragrance. It's a cultural thing when used of the gospel. You know, fragrance will divide opinion. It doesn't, fragrance, the fragrance of Christ does not bring all, all opinions together. Fragrance divides opinion. Some people love a smell, some people hate a smell, yeah? But everyone has an opinion about it, yeah? Some people love the smell of fish and chips, other people hate it. Whatever, some people love the smell of curry, other people hate it. Some people love the smell of marmite, other people hate it. I mean, whatever, you know, fragrances divide opinion. We, we have to, in the, particularly in the, way, in the days we live in in the West, where tolerance is being redefined, that actually we want to create a fragrance that is acceptable to everybody, the gospel's fragrance will always divide opinion. Because it's a distinct flavor. It's a distinct fragrance. It's a cultural word. Paul says in verse 16, it's either the smell of death, Or it's the smell of life. It's not a smell of lukewarmness. It either makes you sick or it makes you intoxicated. That's a pretty broad opinion of a smell. But that's what he's likening the gospel to. It's a fragrance, but it will divide opinion. We've got to be up for that. Some people will say, Do you know what? You guys stink. Others will say, do you know what, you guys smell fantastic. What we mustn't do is leave anybody without an opinion. I mean, I was so thankful to the Daily Telegraph this week. I don't know if you saw the article. I thought, they know our conference is on. This is amazing. This is, this is not from, you know, the vision casting machine of relational mission. This is from the Telegraph who say, in an article this week, British Christianity isn't dying, it's sleeping. Evangelism can waken it. That's the telegraph. They go on to say, um, that's what's missing from 21st century British Christianity, evangelization. The only people you'll see doing it in the streets are Jehovah's Witnesses and Scientologists. Put it this way, imagine, say, that the church was like Tesco. If Tesco stopped advertising, people would stop shopping there. If Tesco constantly banged on about how its own products are old-fashioned and in need of updating, people would stop shopping there. If Tesco said that it would be nice to see you if you'd visit once in a while, but we entirely understand why you don't, people would stop shopping there. Christians have become their own worst enemy, killing their faith with silence. This is the telegraph. He finishes by saying, advertise, speak up, tell people about your beliefs. At the center of the faith is the truth that Jesus died and rose from death to herald a new era. The power of the good news is so great that it cannot fail to win converts. Time to share it. That's the telegraph. He believes it more than we do. Because we're afraid to smell a little bit. Folks, there's a culture change coming among us. A culture change that says, you know what, love it, hate it, but you've got to sniff it. All right? No more Mr. Bland. Now, I'm not talking about being deliberately odious and offensive. I mean... We all watch programs on the telly where they have the nominal or the, the novelty Christian who just winds everybody up, including me. Uh, and you just, why have you put that person there representing us? That's, that's the media. uh, We're not talking about being deliberately odious. We're talking about living lives that are godly, pure, kind, generous, everything that that, that represents Christ well. Even doing that, people will still have a divided opinion. Smell of death to one, smell of life to the other. The fragrance is what I believe God wants to release amongst us in a much, much more potent way than we have done up until this point. There is a cultural change coming. As a a family of churches, I I believe we are on a journey and that God has put two very key things in our mix in this current season, which are a bit like a boxer with two punches, a left hook and a right hook. I'll tell you what they are. The first one is enough, the large-scale corporate prayer. It's been lost for so long in church life. Everything happens through prayer everything and yet the church has uh, ju- by and large lost prayer in in the west in a way that many other places in the world are seeing it i believe god is beginning to change that it's not just us the thy kingdom come thing recently cathedrals all over the land 10,000 people gathering to pray uh the uh, pastor agu of jesus house filling the xl forty, fifty thousand people at a time viral across the world. There are many, many people seeing God birthing large-scale corporate prayer, and I believe God's doing that amongst us. Folks, we've been gathering 2,000 people every time. Now, in my lifetime, I've not seen that happen at local church level. Regularly. The first time, I thought, is this a novelty? Second time, I thought, no, there's something happening here. And as we're now beginning to to ramp that up, we're getting other people start to ask us, can we look at this? Can we join in? Can we perhaps model what we're doing on what you're doing? I believe that's a culture God's beginning to flavor us with, that we are so committed to prioritizing large-scale corporate prayer and it will be the engine room of everything we do, right? But that's the left hook. The right hook is this, and this is what this whole conference is about. If you forget everything else, then just go home with this one thought. The next thing I believe God wants to really release amongst us is this. Everyone a witness. The priority, the, the motivational orientation of our thinking around sharing the gospel through words, works, and wonders Now you'll be hearing a lot more about that through the week, and tomorrow we'll share a little bit more practically, Carl will be sharing a little bit how we're going to try and serve the churches with kind of creating um, a bit of momentum in the same way as we have been with enough. But I, I think that God wants every one of us, and the reason we're doing this in a leaders conference, not in an evangelist conference, is this, it's got to start with us and filter out to everybody else. If we don't get this, no one else will. If this becomes a theme for a conference and then we say in a few months' time, every, what was it, everyone or what? I can't remember what it was. Then we've missed it. This is not something we can achieve overnight. This is the beginning of a journey, I believe, to help to play our part in mobilizing the church in local through local church and in the workplace that we become the fragrance through everyone being a witness. Everyone, every one of us being a witness. I believe that's what the Lord wants for us, that we create a culture, we seek to prize a culture more and more of every one of us through words, works, wonders, sharing our faith, our our testimony, our preaching, our words, our our vocalizing of the knowledge of him, our, our works through, whether it's working with the poor or whether it's being salt and light in the workplace, whether it's being an an influence in education or health or or in politics whatever it is whatever the salt and light that god's given us being good news that people would see our good deeds glorify our father in heaven or whether it's through wonders, learning more and more to rely on the Holy Spirit as we pray for more and more people who are sick or unwell, whether it's strangers we meet in the supermarket, or whether it's people in church meetings, or whether it's our family or our work colleagues, that more and more as we blend words, works, and wonders together, I believe God's going to begin to foster and nurture a culture amongst us, which is what Paul was aspiring to here, spreading everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. And I want you to notice then that Paul doesn't lead it to, leave it to specialists. He talks about God at verse 14. He leads us. It is through us. Verse 15. We are, the, we are the aroma. Verse 17. We are commissioned by God. There's something of the dignity of God upon us. I mean, look at that word. As men of sincerity, as Commissioned by God, do you know you are an ambassador? There's something. Now you may, you and I may have not had an identity kind of in the world's eyes that makes anyone too impressed. I tell you, when you're an ambassador of the King of Kings, demons take note. The world should take note that we have been with Him. That there's something about who we are. We're not just saying, "Well, "We'll help you out, Jesus." Now he's saying, no, I'm commissioning you. I'm, commi- I'm commissioning you. I am sending you. We are sent people, chosen, sent by him. There's something of a, of a responsibility on us to partner with, with him. It goes right back to Eden, Genesis 1, 28. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Then Noah. He was spared that he might be fruitful. Abraham, I'll make your descendants the stars of the sky. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. God's not looking for Christianizing the world. He's looking to make the world Christians. It's different. It's about people being born again of the Spirit of God. Receiving Christ as their Savior. Now, all the other stuff we do to to hold back... The evil in the world, and as it were, William Gurnall says that the only thing that stops the roof of a nation falling in are the good men in it, and women, God's people. There is something of us being salt and light, but do you know what, even if we do all the good things in the world, and we, we, we really make people's lives better, they need to know Jesus. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We've got to understand, we've been commissioned with a message for a purpose. And I believe in the sovereignty of God that God has somehow uh, entrusted to us our part in human history. 2 Corinthians 5.20, God's making his appeal through us. That's a pretty brave thing of God to do, isn't it? I mean, if yeah, he's entrusted to us something. Now that's not a pressure, that's not a legalistic ought to, it's a partnership. It's a rhythm, it's an adventure, it's a working with him, a partnering with him. Because do you know what, you and I can say, yeah, we're going to go and do it and we can give all of our energies to it, but without the Holy Spirit, nobody's going to get saved. Because the Spirit gives birth to Spirit, flesh gives birth to flesh. We, We can't make people believe, but we can say, Lord... We're willing to partner with you in a way like we've never done before. We're willing to make that the priority. Large-scale prayer, large-scale evangelism. Now, why is this something that, I don't know, is happening now, I believe? Well, just to give you a little glimpse from my own life, um, the church I was saved into back in Lowestoft, the Bethel it's called, I became a Christian there around about the age of 17, so early 80s. Um, And that church back in 1921 was the last place on mainland England, revivalist historians say it was the last place that a revival took place, 1921, last place on mainland uh, England. So from 1921 to the early 80s, around about, say, 60 years, With all due respect to the church, because I got saved there through a wonderful pastor who preached the gospel, I heard the gospel, I responded. But it wasn't revival. From revival to really something that was stuck in Victorian times, took 60 years. 60 years. you know, I'm always amazed when I read about the story of of Joseph, and it says... uh, a king arose who did not know Joseph. Think Joseph was second only to Pharaoh. He changed the nation. Within a generation, people have forgotten who he was. You and I have been working for the la- many of us for the last 25, 30 years on trying to restore New Testament values to local church life. Because, in, in say, just in my case, 60 years, you went into church after you became a Christian, and you thought, "What is this?" It's just like, I don't even I don't, I know what this is. So I got involved in parachurch things. I got involved in Youth for Christ when we put on evangelistic events. And loads of people, comparatively, for our town, people were getting saved every time we did something. You tried to introduce them to church and they just wouldn't stick. Why? Because church was naff. It just was like a Victorian time warp. You walked in and it whoosh, back in the 1800s. What is this? What is this? It's awful. And so we, all these people are coming to know Christ, we're just nothing. So then suddenly we, we say, hang on a minute, there's, there's a glorious church in the Bible. There's New Testament values. There's, so we poured our life into the diligent attempt as best as we could. And we're still doing it as best as we could. There's no perfect church, but we're doing the best we can to put New Testament values so that church isn't NAF. It's thriving with New Testament life. We want to see that. But, 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 the whole point of the new wine skin is for new wine to go in it. What would be, wouldn't it be a, such a disaster if after years of put, digging ditches ready for a flood so we can contain it and not lose it, we don't ask for the rain. We don't go For that which got the wine that God wants to fill the wines with. I tell you, I believe evangelism on a large scale is on God's heart for this next season. Uh, This is a game changer. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not sure about that. Uh, Wait, you'll see. You'll see. Right? You think, well, it's like looking for the cloud. Well, I can't see the cloud yet. Well, it starts everything with God. The kingdom, mustard seed, starts small. But it's coming. It's coming. God has not been doing all this for nothing. All our work over these years has not been so that we can just see and sit and say, "Well, this is very nice, but it's not relevant anymore." Come on. There's a bigger agenda that this has all been leading to: large-scale evangelization in the Western Westernized world, the mainland of Europe, the Western world is the I think the greatest challenge to the gospel on planet Earth. I was talking to people from a closed nation the other, the other week and they said, we're not afraid of persecution. We're used to prison. That, that doesn't cause us a problem. We're used to it. We've dealt with it. We can, we can deal with that. What we're afraid of is this, the prosperity that you have in the West because it just kills church. And I thought, man, we've got a bigger challenge than you have. There's a partnering God wants to do With us, and I believe that the focus at this leadership conference, the reason why it's not, and we're not doing it an evangelist conference, is because this has got to come from all of us as leaders in the workplace or in the local church. We've got to be setting the pace. I have to be setting the pace, I've got to take myself to the edge of my experience to get some new stories. Church life and even workplace life keeps us in a centrifugal force that draws us into maintenance yeah. necessary maintenance, but we have to make a deliberate partnering decision with Jesus to get out on the edge where the new stories are, to get some new stories to then bring them back into the centre, influence the culture, go out again for some more new stories. I'm making that a deliberate choice in my life and I'm inviting you to just have a go with me. That's that's what this is about. It's simply about saying we're going to move to the edge where the stories are. It's risky. But I believe it's necessary. Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my Witnesses. There is provision to do this. Verse 15 says, We are the aroma of Christ among those who are perishing and those who are living. God wants to do some stuff through us. In verse fourteen, the next uh, thing to focus on, it says, "It's through us He spreads." It's another, it's another strange word. Look at the words He's choosing: fragrance and spreading. Um, he wants to spread the fragrance. So, spreading is a doing word. It's not. It's it's a it's ongoing. It's a it's a it's a verb. It's, it's spreading. It's There's something exponential. There's something ever-increasing. Fragrance, spreading. These are not one-off things. These are cultures. A culture of spreading. A culture of fragrance. Something that starts perhaps even by focusing this conference and then just perhaps moves a little bit more. I believe there's an incremental momentum There's something intentional over time that as we give ourselves to everyone a witness through words, works, and wonders. It's a bit like walking around with a toolkit. Every one of us, imagine yourself with a little toolkit and it's got words, works, and wonders in it. Every day of your life, you're walking around with that toolkit and you meet people, you're in situations, you think, what tool do I need now? Do I need a word? Do I need to just tell my story? Uh, okay, not that one. Uh, do I need works? Do I need to just be kind to this person or show them the love of God? Perhaps not that one. Oh, do I need praying for? Pick the wonders tool. We've got to all have a toolkit, yeah, and we've got, we've got to get that intentionally. And think, I'm walking around every day with this toolkit. This is a spreading word. It's not leaving the toolkit in the shed where it goes all rusty. How many have got a rusty tool, rusty tool shed in uh, toolkit in the shed? Just me. Oh, okay. You open the shed after the winter and go in there and go, what happened to that? This is not used. This is a... And it's not something for experts. I I was very struck by a a quote that Simon Holly um, made recently. I, I, I thought it was so good. He said, things that impress result in, I could never do that. Things that multiply... Result in, I could do that. Do our churches impress or multiply? I thought that was so good. I mean, there are very gifted evangelists among us. But it is the biggest mistake in the world to think, okay, let's wheel in the expert and let them do it. The the evangelist is to equip the saints to get the toolkit and learn how to do it. It's an apprenticeship. The evangelists stand, right, this is, this is how you use the saw, this is how you use the hammer. This is a, you know, it's an apprenticeship. It's not a, a master class where you stand in an audience and watch someone. This is a spreading thing. All of us, all of us. You might think, well, I'm not really an evangelist. I'm not really, I'm not even sure I shared my faith very much this last year. That's okay. This is not a condemning word. This is, a, this is an invitation to something new. So say, Let's change things. I mean, the only people who can change this are us. And the only people that can stop it are us. Remember the telegraph. The only people that are doing it are Jehovah's Witnesses and Scientologists, according to the telegraph. That's all they can see. Church is killing itself with silence. A quote I found from the City Light team said, When every disciple is praying, there's power from on high. When every disciple is committed to serve, the workforce is unlimited. When every disciple is salt and light, their witness covers the community. When every disciple is a sacrificial giver, there's money available to meet needs. When every disciple is loving their neighbor, communities are transformed. When every leader is training new leaders, the kingdom can advance into a new territory. When every believer is reproducing, there will always be a new generation of those who follow Jesus. This is about multiplying. Even the videos we saw earlier, I was thrilled. What makes me jump out of bed in the morning, apart from the alarm clock, is the thought of helping people achieve what God's called them to. I mean, I, I get a buzz from that. If I see someone doing something God's called them to, and I think I've played a little part in that, do you know, I think, yes, come on. Even if they end up doing it better than I can do it, I don't care, because this is... Rescue Planet Earth. There's no time to have an ego. There's no time to be the best, or for everyone to look at. There's no time for that. This this is rescue. so all hands on deck. So if you train people by giving away everything God's given to you, and they're better than you, and everyone forgets you and applauds them, you've succeeded. You've spread. You've helped spread the fragrance because it's been invested in other people. I believe that the, the, uh, we've got a great bunch of evangelists amongst us, and what we're hoping to do is just to release them amongst the churches more and more in the, in the next few years. Everyone a witness will become something like, you know, if you go into Twitter and all that, hashtag Everyone a witness. If we can just, like, we've had the hashtag enough. If we can just try and keep emphasizing these things, enough, everyone a witness, enough, everyone a witness. I think if we put all our eggs in those baskets, we will see many churches planted because that's the, that's the fruit from the root. We don't plant churches because we feel like shifting a few Christians from over here to over here. That's, a, that's no reason to plant a church. You plant churches because people are getting saved or because you want people to get saved. It's, it's a different mentality, or it, well, it shouldn't be a different mentality, but we can get so locked up in the mechanisms of doing what we do that we forget why we're doing it. Am I coming over? because I, I I feel there's something God wants to birth, and it might take a little while and I may not but there'll be lots of voices this week that I hope God will just kind of you know. Put little bits. I'm just starting this. But I feel it. I feel it. I tell you, 2,000 or more people praying and then people sharing their faith. Boom. Hashtag boom. <laughs> really. I, li- I like, I li- <laughs> yeah, hashtag boom. I like, I like fishing. I'm a fisherman. I, I like trout fishing, fly fishing. I love that, right? But it's very self-indulgent because there's only me involved and a few friends. And we're usually competing with each other to see who catches the most or the biggest. It's unfortunately, not usually me, but I'm dealing with it. <laughs> but that's not the best way to fish. You best fish with nets and lots of people. I mean, I'm thrilled. Just some of the stories. I, 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 just to pick a couple of uh, all that Andy Moyle and the guys in Kings Lynn are doing. Just their brilliant way of evangelism through hospitality, food, and get everybody involved. And you may not be very good at sharing your faith, but you can you can bring the food. You can make people feel welcome. Everybody has everybody's got the net somewhere. And you just kind of all show them all in. It's fantastic. And then what uh, Nolder and Jonathan Tipping have been doing over in uh, by having these garden parties for, for Eritrean and Syrian refugees. I mean, dozens and dozens of these people and having food and dancing. and also It's even caught the attention of the press. What is this that's going on? I tell you, fishing's much more fun with other people, <laughs> with a net, because all the pressure isn't on us to somehow be the man or the woman. Just... Bring your contribution. We can all get involved. Everyone, a witness. Everyone. Your strength, bring it to the net. Bring it to the party. I'll bring my strength. And then I can learn from you to help with my weakness. And then the last little word. Spreading everywhere. I mean, I love these words. Fragrance. Spreading Everywhere. I mean, he's not short on vision, is he? I mean, he's just, just the largeness of the vocabulary spreading everywhere. Well, yeah, but hang on, Paul. Just, whoa, there, tiger. No, everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. Whoa. Do you know, um, <laughs> this last week, I, um, I said to the Lord, give me some, give me some stories. Uh, for this conference, and uh, I haven't got any major evangelism stories. I mean, usually I tell stories, and they're about how I failed, haven't they? Everybody laughs. Um, but um, I haven't got any of those this time. What I have got is last week, I, um, Sue and I were out for uh, the day, and we we went to a part of um, a town where it was a little bit kind of poor. Should we say that? And uh, I just watched. I was standing outside a shop. <laughs> and just watching people. And I just felt the Lord say, just watch. And I watched some young mums go past, and I heard, you know, one or two say, forgive me, but come here, you effing this. You know, just really, you know, what? I thought, yeah, what's that child going to, how's that, you know, how does that work? It's tough. We then drove about, I don't know, 10 or 15 miles to another place which was a bit posh. And I watched another family who'd just been (laughs) doing some bird spotting. And father was saying, now, look here, this is a black-headed gull. This is a lesser-spotted gull. And it was all very frightfully. And And I thought... This is this is the gospel. That mum and that dad in the same church, sitting next to each other, is that not the everywhere? Is that not what it is? See, you know, I preached uh, back in Lowestoft on Sunday on Jonah, and I was I was quite unexpectedly I started ranting about racism. And how abhorrent it is to god and about how god wants a multicultural church and it's not just multicultural in terms of nations it's about social class and status and education and uh, kind of political stuff and uh, god hates divisions he's destroyed the partition separating jew and gentile as the greatest thing and then between men and women he's brought us Together, from everywhere. That's the power of the gospel. You can sit next to someone that you think I have nothing in common with this person but this. We know Jesus. We know Jesus. There is nowhere where the gospel's fragrance cannot produce fruit. There's nowhere. Whether it's poverty or whether it's someone with millions, they all need the gospel and the gospel can save anybody. Anybody. Even through us who've been commissioned weak vessels, though we are. I kind of got excited about that. I thought, we're not going to be middle class. We're not going to be lower class. We're not going to be upper class. We're going to be every class. Isn't that the the sign and the wonder that the world should look at and say, how does that happen? How, How does that happen? Yeah. It's a Sunday school answer. The answer's always Jesus, whatever the question. But in this case, it's true. (laughs) And I particularly want to address our Western culture, Westernized culture. Do you know, someone said to me, a prophet, prophet friend of mine said to me, you know, some people live in Somalia. A lot of people have got Somalia living in them. They said, in the West, you have Somalia living in you. It's just desert, spiritual desert. People might not be starving through drought, but they're starving spiritually. Our primary calling, not only, but our primary calling, or uh, no, let me rephrase that. A large part of our calling, I want to rephrase that because I think there's some things God's taking us to new borders. A large part of what we are called to do is to affect, to whatever degree God gives us grace, westernized, secular, humanistic, desert society and bring the fragrance of Jesus everywhere. Everywhere. Even amongst the people at the moment who would be hostile and you think, how on earth do we bring that in there? Every community you want to name, you can fill in the blanks. And it's also about town, city, city and village. Not only is it all class, all nations, but it's also everywhere. When we met a few months ago as the the, the apostles in the UK, um, we we meet three times a year. Just tremendous fellowships beginning to emerge. It's been wonderful. Transition sort of, you know, through now. It's a bit bumpy, you know, all that. But now, I tell you, we're really beginning to hear God together and it's great. Everyone's laughing and having fun. It's fantastic. And we we had a map out of the UK. And, you know, we just started thinking about Wesley and the days of Methodism. And, you know, you could go to a little village anywhere, everywhere, and there's a chapel. How did that get there? It's only big enough for three people. But it's there. And then probably you'd even find sometimes a village with two or three of them in. It's usually because they'd had a split and fallen out and built another one. But uh, we'll take that. It's okay. But you go to every village. You can go to most major cities and find a a Methodist central hall. Do you know, village, town, city, Methodism went everywhere. I I want us to play a part in going everywhere. You might be called to rural village church planting. Praise God, we applaud you. What do you need? Let's help you. You might be called to mega cities of Western Europe. Praise God, how can we help you? You might be called to a town where you can actually begin to affect your whole community. How do we help you? We want to celebrate everyone's mission, because everyone's mission is part of everywhere. And that's where the gospel's supposed to go. The church scores a massive own goal if it starts focusing on just one area of where the gospel must fit. That's not what apostolic mandate was from Paul. He said fragrance spread everywhere now that's pretty inclusive isn't it now i know some people got different gifts and you know but as a family of churches i want to celebrate everybody's mission and validate everybody's mission and you might only in a rural setting be able to plant i don't know five or six groups of ten people and what have you and it's in a village of 500 you know you've got a bigger percentage of your community than people in a city with 300. It's not It's not about numbers. It's not about numbers. It's about everywhere. Looking for our men and women of peace, like Lydia, where it says the Lord opened her heart to the message. It's what we're looking for. I believe there's some real, what I would call low-hanging fruit on trees that's just looking for us to You know, there's some low-hanging evangelistic fruit. I mean, even we've got even the telegraph on our side now. You know, I mean, there's some low-hanging fruit. I kind of feel, you know, there's a verse that says, even a lizard finds itself in palaces. You know, I think God's going to open doors for some of us to go into some pretty influential places. We might just get in like lizards. They won't welcome us at the front door, because that wouldn't be politically correct. But they'll say, come round the back door... You can come in because we really need your help. That's, I'll take that, wouldn't you? I'll take, I don't mind going around the back door like a lizard. You know, a lizard in a palace is still in the palace, isn't it? <laughs> you don't need an invite. There's some low-hanging fruit affecting um, our communities. Our communities, man... If ever there's a time for the church to say to those in local government, your MP, your people in social services, you, if ever there's a time to say, how can we help you? Not how can we criticise you? Not how can we say, well, you should have done better? Not, no, that, 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 everybody else is doing that. We need to say, how can we help you? There's low-hanging fruit there. Ch- churches can be the answer in broken communities. It's just we've, we've learned how to do some stuff over the years, haven't we? We've learned how God's helped us to help broken lives be made. He's helped us learn. We're still learning. But we I tell you, I've seen the transformation in people's lives that come in broken and over years of being in a loving church environment, wholeness comes. You've seen that, haven't you? We've learned how to do that. We've got to offer that. There's low-hanging fruit that our nation's got an epidemic of, or we'll have an epidemic of elderly people, lonely people, just the population of aging will expand and they're the nearest to eternity. Get in the nursing homes, get in the, the places, that the, the communities, the sheltered housing where no one sees anyone from one week to the next. There's thousands of people who don't see anybody from one week to the next. And if that isn't low-hanging fruit for the gospel, I don't know what is. We've got to, Think what's around us. Chaplaincies of hospitals, schools, factories. Chaplaincies were a massive way of reaching people in, in, in previous church history. Where are we? It's low-hanging fruit. It's, it's doors open. Help us, help us. Mentoring schemes in schools, neighborhoods, communities. The list goes on and on. God will show us. What I'm saying is this. This is not hard. It needs to be spirit-led, spirit-empowered, and us just simply saying, Lord, we're here. Show us. Show us. We will do it. Where you stay, we'll go. So. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be fun over the next i don't know 5 years to say let's have a go large scale corporate prayer keep keep it going so keep building these hubs keep inviting people i mean i'm happy for any any church to do any sphere any network any i don't it's all the body of christ in actual fact the more unity is expressed in prayer the more god answers you know I, i'm not I don't want to hold it, I want to give it. Partner even with others. I've written to other prayer movements and said, look, can we do something together? Because I five years of kind of let's really put prayer as the engine room, not the spare wheel. And five years of us, you are the, you are leaders representing all our family of churches and all the influence that we have in the workplace, many of you in senior positions. God's putting you into real positions of influence. Wouldn't it be fun to say, Father, we're prepared to really pray and we're to prepared to be everyone a witness, word works and wonders. Wouldn't that be fun, even in all our weakness? I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not gifted at praying or evangelism. That's why I need the Holy Spirit. ka Isn't that the point? Is that not the point? Jesus said, or well, no, sorry, Paul said... You don't know how to pray. Okay, I know that. But the Holy Spirit helps you. He said, when you receive power, you'll be my witnesses. Also implying, until you do, you won't. We can't pray without the Holy Spirit. We can't witness without the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. Jesus even said, without me, you can do nothing. So if you're thinking, "Oh, well, I don't really like what you're saying. This is not really my gift. It's not anybody's gift. It's nobody. If you think you're qualified, you're not listening. You, we cannot do any of this in human effort, but it's that God's power might rest on us and it might not be to our glory, but to his. We can say, Lord, we managed to pray for a half night, hundreds of us. Lord, we managed to share. We managed to put on more alphas. We managed to to see healing on the streets. We've managed, we've seen more people baptized this year than we have done in many years. How did that happen? It's the Holy Spirit helping us in our weakness. All I'm saying tonight, really, is all God wants is us to say, "Amen, I'm in. Amen." I'm in. And if relational mission becomes known for those two things and those two things alone, I die a happy man. I'm absolutely serious. Large-scale prayer, large-scale evangelism. That doesn't mean it's the only thing we're doing. I'm just saying these are the heartbeats. If you've got your heartbeat going, then the rest of the limbs can function. Would you like to stand? I'd, uh, I think I've finished.